You are listening to the Intentional Leaders Podcast with Cindy Wentland. This is episode 25, How to Burn Out Your Top Performers. Hi, I'm Cindy, an educator, certified coach, and passionate learner on all things leadership related. It seems like just yesterday I was fresh out of grad school, wanting to make my way in the world, longing to make a difference to people, to team, to the business. Little did I know how challenging it would be. Fast forward several decades later, I've made a career of leading while teaching and coaching thousands of leaders to be at their best, most effective selves. Along this journey, I've captured so many insights, lessons, and techniques on how leaders become amazing, and also as leaders, when we get it wrong. I'll share them all right here because I founded Intentional Leaders to provide easy access to these kinds of lessons and equally important to help you build the presence, confidence, and credibility you need to be the leader that everybody wants to work for. Because I know leadership has its challenges, but learning to lead shouldn't be one of them. I do wonder how many of you listening consider yourself a top performer. Some of you would probably respond with an adamant, yes, of course I am. And maybe others might be a little bit more reluctant to do so, but even when others might consider you as such. But more about imposter syndrome in another episode. I think about top performers not just as those who are technically competent or who have a lot of subject matter knowledge, which is, I think, a lot of how a lot of companies define it, but rather I think about those people that are behaviorally outstanding and show emotional adulthood in ways that differentiate them from other people. And I may rely more on those people, more on my team because of their willingness and their attitude versus their technical competence. And correspondingly, I may take so much more advantage of those characteristics to get things done. So I think it's important to first step back and recognize how you define top performance. What does it mean to you and to your team and to your organization? Is it defined or not? Are there common competencies that individuals are evaluated and measured on or not? I think answering that question first and then consider how you communicate, develop, and delegate to those people. Who are your go-to people and why? And who do you consider a top performer? Because that does make a difference. Then let's talk about burnout and define that. Because burned out means we're in a state of physical or mental collapse caused by overwork or stress. Now, I know that sounds pretty dramatic. At the same time, we've probably all felt the feelings associated with that figuratively, if not literal, collapse. I've experienced it myself, and I've seen it with people around me. I've probably created it as well, although not deliberately, but through my own behaviors and actions or my inactions. So here are five ways that we typically create burnout, and I want you to see if any of them resonate with you. Top five, how to create burnout. One is not recognizing the signs of individual stress, then not helping the individual to help themselves to build stronger coping mechanisms. And this is bigger than prioritization. It's not just helping people prioritize their task lists. It goes much deeper than that, but that is number one. 
Number two is not recognizing that your job is to essentially foster and strengthen employee resilience, meaning people's capacity and ability to change. This is about both the mindset and the skill set of being able to bounce back. That's what resilience is, coping with change, bouncing back quickly. Number three, delegating to the same individuals over and over again. These are your go-to people, the people that you trust. And for them, the reward, I say in quotes, of getting that new or challenging or exciting work eventually becomes a punishment. This may cause those individuals to grow even more cautious about revealing their capacity and their capabilities or even their goals because they may begin to fear being taken advantage of. And if only one or two people are getting those juicy assignments, that's going to breed a lot of resentment within the team. And it also feels a little favoritism-y. <laughs> I know that's not a word, but it's just not fair because other people see that inconsistent treatment. Number four, how to create burnout is not developing a strong talent pipeline. Are you moving the collective talent of your team or not? And number five is probably the easiest of all to implement. And so it's tragic when it exists, but that is radio silence on praise or reinforcement, thanks or gratitude, any kind of kudos and anything in that category for the work that people are doing. And you know what? I still hear people saying that's what they're getting paid for. Oh my goodness. That's so 1950s. Don't ever say that. All right, so what are we going to do to not burn out your top performers? How do we mitigate? How do we mitigate these things and make sure that they don't happen to us and to our team? One is I think it's important to really learn the individual signs of stress and overwhelm. You know your employees and you should also be really good at recognizing early on what are their warning signs and then take action. However, I would also say take action and look at yourself first. What actions might you be unconsciously or inadvertently taking that are negatively affecting other people's performance? What are you doing to contribute to burnout and what can you do to mitigate it? I always think when people aren't performing effectively, when I was managing, I had to look inward first. The same thing occurs when people are getting close to that overwhelm or burnout. Look at you first. And then second is help those that need it. And I don't mean, as I mentioned earlier, merely helping them to prioritize their workload. That is such a superficial thing we could do. Sometimes, yes, it's important, but I mean exploring where that individual may need to cultivate or adjust their own behaviors. Maybe they need to improve their coping mechanisms. Maybe they need to have healthier habits. For example, what if you have an individual that never says no, and that person is ultimately creating their own overwhelm and stress. We can't just tell them they need to start saying no. We have to look below the surface. What is their discomfort with saying no and how can they get more comfortable doing it? That takes time, energy, and practice. 
Or what if an individual isn't making good use of their time and energy? And I don't just mean at work, but the balance between life or work or having um, unclear boundaries that may not be effective for their life and their, their family situation. That's something below the surface. What if their work habits are great and their health habits are terrible? I feel like it's our obligation to dig below the surface to really understand the contributors, of course, other than you, um, to people's overwork and to their stress. I think the next thing we can do is be planful about creating resilience in our teams. I, I follow positivepsychology.com uh, and they always have great ideas and articles and they also have a lot of activities that you could use with your team in a team meeting or one-on-one. So I'm attaching um, a link to uh, positivepsychology.com because they have some great things out there. Think about and consider that building resilience is part of your roles and responsibilities and then develop a talent plan. Think about your teams in terms of a bell curve. I kind of like to think of people as we have the people in the middle, we have the people on the high end. Again, those are those top performers. We have people on the low end. Know where your individuals land and what needs to happen for them to advance their position on the curve. You want to be continuously moving that curve to the right. That means that you're filling your pipeline with talented people that are continuously growing and developing. And many organizations have HR professionals that can partner with you to do this. This means knowing the talent you have and what you need both short and long-term, and that you have a great plan for continuous growth and development across everyone on your team so that you don't have to rely on one or two people to get the job done. In today's competitive environment, we have to retain talent and top talent, absolutely. That means being hyper aware of the environment we create, the practices we engage in, and how we deal with stress and overwhelm. By the way, you can also check out podcast number two, which is about locus of control for some additional stress strategies. What I would encourage you to think about for this week is what are your practices and how might you be inadvertently falling into burning out the people that you need? And finally, expressing appreciation for all that your team does and even attempts to do. I tell you what, sincere praise and gratitude go such a long way to balance the ongoing demands and challenges that are placed on all of us. You can actually be that difference between someone's experience of feeling gratitude and tipping to the overwhelm. And yes, that is what you are being paid to do. If you like this podcast, please leave a review. I would appreciate your honesty and feedback. Also join us next time. We're going to talk about the manual that we all have for people in our lives. You might be surprised what's in yours.